And also, like, if you want to have the life that you want, like, you really have to go towards it. Like, try to see what what is it. Like, what is it Run. that you want? Yeah. Run! <laughs> and, like, Put on your be... sneakers! <laughs> Run! <laughs> not even sneakers. Let's get out of the house. Let's keep going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Welcome, Your Majesty, to the Princess Project Podcast. I'm your host, Cassidy Cagney, and I'm an L.A. princess. For what is a princess if not a leader? And what is a leader if not someone who advocates for change? Here to empower, equip, and inspire our future feminine leaders. This kingdom welcomes royals of all kinds, So whether you're a prince or a princess, a king or a queen, or any royal in between, put on your crown and pull up your seat, for the podcast is about to begin. Welcome, Your Majesty, to the Princess Project Podcast. I'm your host, Cassie Cagney, helping you to live your royal life. Thank you so much. Shout out on the pod to Jessica Johnson 99. Thank you for your Apple review and your uh, little message. It really warmed my heart. I hereby crown you the princess of firsts. My first review, my first comment, and my first friend made here on the podcast platform. So thank you, Princess of First Jessica Johnson 99. And if you would like a special shout out on the pod yourself, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars, and I will be so happy to send you a little shout out. In other news, (laughs) in other news, today I am going to be joined by Daji Sanchez. She is an old friend of mine from the days where I used to live in New York. She has blossomed into her own person in a way that is just exceptional to watch. Luckily, I have been able to witness her personal journey from actress to businesswoman, entrepreneur, and it is beautiful. It is really something to see. So I am really excited to introduce you to her. There is so much that you can be learning from her. She is a leader. She's a family-oriented gal, and she is an and girl. You can and it. (laughs) We talk a lot about the narratives, the stories that were told as children, as women, um, stories about business and art that we are taught to be true, although they're not usually true in practice, and they usually just keep us held back. How do you shed those narratives and write new ones for yourself? She is a woman with incredible bravery, resilience, and she is a risk taker, just like me. And without any further ado, I introduce you to Daji Sanchez. Welcome, Daji. So nice to see you. Nice to see you, too. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. I have been looking up to you for so long in terms of uh, the businesswoman that you are and the things that you have been able to build. So we we started to get to know each other when I was living in New York in yeah. 2017. Oi, how many years? Yeah, ago I know. In an acting class. <laughs> yeah, in acting class. Daji, would you please uh, tell our viewers a little bit about you? Not viewers, listeners. Um, <laughs> of course. Who are you, yeah. my friend? Um, well, I am a Venezuelan-born, uh, New York-raised, <laughs> um, and uh I don't know. I mean, I started doing theater for a long time and that's how we met. Now I really am focusing a lot on my, on my family's businesses. Love to party, like to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so you are a businesswoman. Your bachelor's is in theater arts, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's in drama and theater. Yeah. I have found that that transition between yeah. actor or general theater practitioner to business person is actually a, a lot more sensible than one would think. Like mm-hmm. when you're a 
theater major, the skills are so transferable. And a lot of us do go into uh, becoming our own business owners. Even if you uh, are an actor, you know, the first thing that they teach you or the first thing they say to you, the last thing they teach you uh, is about how to market yourself, right? And how Uh you become your business. Right. So you need things like an actor's website and all that kind of a stuff. But if you decide to go a different route, like you and I, we still have all of that knowledge in our back pocket. What has that transition um, been like for you? Um, I want to say it was kind of hard to move into that transition because I was so attached to the arts and like what that meant. And then I really went towards more administrative side in the theater world, you know, being involved in that, I also saw things that I did not enjoy or like. And in that practice, I also thought, well, I felt like there was also a need for me to understand what it meant to run a nonprofit. And then I mm. then it went towards me learning how to run a business in general, because it meant like our shows, the sh- well, in my, in my mind, the shows became like the product and like, right. how do we market it? I mean, this is just because it's the arts, but the product, because it's a show, if you're doing like, let's say a Latino play and you want to market it to Latino audiences, but you don't have the price, like the price tag doesn't match to the, to the audience. Like it's, it's, it's a concern to me, like who exactly, who is your target mar- uh, audience? And that's, if that's the case. So in, in that like thought process, I, and my parents already had the real estate business and vacation rentals. I sort of like helping them. Yeah. Um, I Girl, help- what? <laughs> that is a dream of mine. Well, let's make it a reality. <laughs> oh, girl. Yeah. I would be so down. I've always, I would really, really love to not just own property, but like fix up places. I love those shows like uh, Fixer Upper oh, and yeah. all of those like HGTV design shows. And I can't afford anything. So now, <laughs> one well, of my you, favorite- you don't know. If you don't know, you, you could. There's so much knowledge out there. You know, there's things that people don't know. And we'll talk about that. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. The stage that I'm in right now is I can afford paint and glue. And I (laughs) find things on the side of the road. And I try to make them nice for myself uh, without spending (laughs) over $100 at Ikea. Now, as I'm creating my own home for the first time, I would like to be able to make that almost like a kind of branch of my art which would be like decor and things you gotta get into it you know like and it always just starts like just starting and I think you have I think you were like fixing in one of your like TikToks I think you're fixing it you know with the TV and the stand and just, you know but <laughs> I have that- to do an update on that it looks really um, good we also yeah. found a giant TV on the side of the road <laughs> so we grabbed it and it worked perfectly fine and yeah, we plugged it I mean, in and now it, we have this giant tv that we didn't pay any money for there you go like honestly sometimes we there's a lot of little treasures and we just gotta look and and see beyond just the surface and of course put a little bit of elbow grease into it you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, and I mean, patience and you know because if i wanted to decorate a whole room in a week <laughs> i would be spending a butt ton of money But I don't need to do that. I can like slowly accumulate the life that I want. I can live with, you know, little at a time and eventually it will build into something beautiful. But if I could have yours and it's yours and you're making, you know, you're not going to buy or no, sorry, you're not going to find another of that, of the stands in another place because you need it. You know what I mean? Exactly. More um, like meaningful because it's yours. It makes me feel accomplished and it does yeah. kind of light up that artistic side of myself, um, which I have realized I don't need to let go as a business owner. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. People, I think, have a weird uh, association that in theater or in any other kind of arts or business, that creativity is like not a part of it. Like, oh, you are the artist, you're going to make the show, you are going to, I don't know, design the interior of the home, whatever. And then you have the business side and that's like logic and reason and numbers and, uh, you know, 
laws. <laughs> but there's a lot that goes into that that you need to be creatively minded for. And right. I think a lot of artists, uh, young people with an artistic background of any kind, don't always realize that they have those resources available to them. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think that, and I can't, I just can't let go of the fact that I am, I'm artist first in, in, in my, in the way I see things. You, I think are a great example of the diversity of passions. And it's been incredible to watch you build one on top of the other, because especially they all seem very different and Theater people, artists are usually multi-passionate, especially theater makers, um, with all of the different components that have to go together to create a show. You have this ability to devise and dream up new business practices, which is incredibly creative and diverse. And so your multi-passionate being, artistic sense of self, um, gives you all kinds of very different modalities of business. And then you also have this ability to like see them through to the finish line and see it all come to fruition. Um, there's a lot there, but having that business and producer background, you're one of the few people I know uh, who, who really has taken it all the way multiple times, you know, yeah. <laughs> because a lot of people have ideas. Obviously, we all have like a million yeah. ideas a day. But you, you have the discipline to take it from idea to full-fledged functioning business. And that is, that is absolutely incredible. So first up, how many businesses do you actually have and, and what are they? Um, I want to say I have just three, I would say, because our family, I, first a lot of my businesses is with my family. It's family oriented, family mm -hmm. owned. So real estate is one of them. It's one of the, the oldest one. And I've learned a lot. I, I even planned to be a real estate agent, but I was like, that's not the route that I really want to go into. Um, investing is key for me and my family. Investing? Then, yeah, investing in properties. Okay. And, um, and then... Um, route. We also have a store, which is a thrift shop um, that's run by my dad. Um, but, you know, I'm still like maintaining stuff from there um, or managing it in some way. And then um, now we have the, the balloon and cupcake business um, here. And that's the mom. newest one, right? <laughs> that is the newest one. That's our baby. So we're now we're like, how you know, old pushing. is the baby? Oh, <laughs> it's, it's that it, we started um I want to say in, in February of this year of this oh, year yeah wonderful so like yeah. almost almost a half years old almost a half years old <laughs> <laughs> I I love it and it's so like I said they're so different property yeah, rentals different. vacation yeah. rentals and that's even different in itself mm -hmm. is just having the property and renting it out typically and then vacation rentals whole different game right okay. yeah and then you have a thrift store that's such a unique type of store that's a, such a unique type of business yeah that doesn't operate the same way as any other store would right uh -huh. and then you have cupcakes and balloons which is so fun <laughs> and brings so much joy to right. every to everyone who doesn't like cupcakes and balloons <laughs> I don't know who but not you know someone who wants to not have a party because <laughs> non-party people uh, LOL. Non -party. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they are very different since they are so different what do you feel is the main um the main skill that you have that you have found to be valuable in all three different kinds of businesses well that's a good question I have to think about this one. I feel like um, I feel like I want to say I'm, I can be very visionary, um, and like in in a sense of like let's say like this thrift store. Like my my dad, he when he first started it, um, he or he had like oh he started putting things in. We had a storefront, so we started putting things in the store, and he's like you know like maybe we'll sell, maybe you know whatever, you know being very chill. And I'm like well it's fine. Like I think. I think having that attitude is fine. 
But I also wanted him to, you know, kind of see a little bit more beyond that, not just because just to sell things to, you know, make more of a profit, but just so there's more of a sense of motivation behind the store and like um, always kind of like a story of the store. In our area, there is other thrift stores. Actually, there's one even across the street. But like for me, I also thought um, like, how what it, what makes our our store special, you know? And I've seen that in our store, in unique picking out unique pieces. Mm-hmm. And when I go to a regular or n- another thrift shop, and they see like a bunch of things that are you know cluttered, or it smells bad, or mm-hmm. you know it's not like kept. And that's something that like I I wanted when people come in to the store to feel like they can find unique items and and even little gifts like we have a lot of rings too and like jewelry and it's something that you know finding those unique gifts so in my head I'm like okay like this is what our store is something unique my dad is very artsy so on top of the thrift store he also draws and paints Mm. so we put those up in there as well and people have bought them and it's been amazing and I'm so you know happy for my dad and I want him to see that through mm-hmm. and like being more creative in that way and also like okay now our thrift shop is like has those unique pieces and it's also artsy in all our businesses I kind of want to have like those sense of like those storylines I would say and I guess that does come a lot from like the theater what I'm hearing from that is one your Uh, specificity and curation, right? So you have a really specific idea of what kinds of like niche products that you want to sell so that when people come in, they remember you, right? Differentiated from the ones across the street or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then the second idea, which actually I have not thought about before, but is incredibly powerful is the idea of a community narrative, Because if people come in and meet you and now your friends, they're going to remember your shop. They're going to come specifically just to see you and just to be somewhere positive. And um, you'll be able to create, that's kind of like the original, original branding. You know, now we think of branding as logos and websites and all that kind of a thing, but creating a community narrative is so much more uh, grounding as a foundation for a business. Yeah, no, I, well, that's that's really great. And I honestly, I feel like I also focused a lot on community when I did a, like theater stuff. Like the, when I did oh, marketing, yeah. I focused a lot on community and people. And I think, I mean, you're you want people to buy your stuff. I mean, you need to understand who who is that person, mm-hmm. even if it's different products. Like for our balloons and cupcakes, like. Uh, right now, um, I'm still freaking out because it's still new. Like, which community is it? And like, and even though like online, they tell you, oh, it's for mothers and birthdays and, you know, whoever. Yeah. Right? But yeah, it's always, it's about that, like creating community. I think that that is a huge trademark for a successful, impactful theatrical education <laughs> is establishing, l- learning, teaching, the value of community, whatever that community looks like. If you're creating a community online through TikTok, through a podcast, if you're creating community through a um, central locale, like your storefront, and then as well as having those narratives, understanding uh, not only who your community is, but who you are in said community, because you're, you're not it. You are a part and how do we enrich and grow that community? My favorite theater quote, which I have no idea who said this. (laughs) I know it was one of my professors and I'm sure that they got it from somewhere else uh, is theater is stories that communities tell themselves about themselves. I feel like I heard this. I heard this one. Yeah. Oh, really? Well, maybe then it was someone in New York. (laughs) I feel like I've heard this. Yeah, I think successful theater education, when you value community and community building, I think it goes back to like how business practices have been like, there's like a certain structure that I think 
also the pandemic has changed up completely. Uh-huh. And I say business practices in all senses of even artists. Like I would like there to be more like diversity in those narratives and, and people are doing yeah. it, you know, because I think not just for acting, but for anything, like even for businesses, like go get a business degree, you know, go start a business or join, oh, no, not even start a business, join an existing business, be an intern, you know, then be there for a thousand years and then, you know, get a 401k and, you know, and it's not, that narrative is so like just one line and then people are scared because they don't want to fail, which is totally understandable. Um, but because of people, there's so many influences of like, well, if you don't do this or, or even go continue your, your college degree to get a master's, a PhD or whatever, then you're kind of like not enough. And then you'll feel like you can never be more than what you are. And so you stay stuck in this narrative thinking this is my only way out. Right. And there's so many possibilities. I think what you're hitting yeah. on is like a yes or no culture in both business and theater. And it does not have to be that way. It does yeah. not have to be that way. If you want to make it different for yourself, you can you know, um, establishing things like small theater companies. Um, one I really love and have worked with for, uh, for a while since a little bit before the pandemic was, uh, Lime Arts Productions Mm -hmm. and they employ artists who are all under 30 years old. Like everybody's in their twenties specifically, um, prioritizing stories, uh, for POC and, um, POC, artists, those types of communities that are focused on the people in it, right? Not just the people who perform, but the people also watching it has such Mm. a different sort of culture than say the Broadway pipeline or the like. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will try to tell you that it's impossible But as artists, I think we have a real advantage, whether you have an artistic education or not, to think outside the box and create other options for yourself. Right. Yeah. I think that's what I think that's what's helped me and in my family, too, because if they're, you know, I, I, you know, we always have our little meetings and like things that like things that we can what we're doing and what how we can grow. And it's and I really feel like. I always I'm trying to like let's you know let look beyond who is coming in and like things that we could do better. Oh, you just made me think of um your family, which is something I really wanted to talk about. So um when we talk about women in business, I think it's important that we also talk about women in finance and women in money. Uh we it's not a universal experience, but generally um culturally. Money is not uh, cute for women to talk about or seek or want or even acknowledge. I personally, no one ever talked to me about money uh, growing up. Not, not at all. I think it was assumed that I would never have an interest in it because money was too crude of a subject for a young lady. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. But I... my little brothers knew about how to invest and stocks mm. and all that kind of thing when they were in high school. Oh, interesting. And I saw people having conversations with them, being open to conversations and learning with them about money and politics that were never open to me. I know that right. that is a different case scenario for you. So you were just saying that your family has like meetings and things like that I would love to know how did your family uh teach you about money and finances and how to operate a business how were you uh taught to feel about money in general the idea of making money um and has it changed since you've uh grown in your businesses um that's a big question huh yeah (laughs) how has your family influenced your financial education um There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to say my family, my family, um, we, we did not have like, I mean, I'm an immigrant. I came here to the States when I was two. Um, and my parents did, I mean, they didn't have any like 
my I think my dad had a hundred dollars in debt because of my of my aunt paid for <laughs> something of his and it was a hundred dollars worth and he paid it back you know because he worked really hard so did my mom um but I, as a child I don't think I ever like I think they did such a good job in the sense of protecting me of like the pain of not having money um and I feel like they worked so hard with the little that they had I enjoyed my childhood so I never felt like I felt I never felt I was missing like oh my god I wish we had you know a huge house and a, and a fancy car or something that I, I don't think I ever felt that way um with how my mom taught me or my dad so growing up I feel like I was living I was happy with everything that I got like thank you for the toy I think I was always very grateful um me and my sister same way um we were we were always very grateful because I think we knew and that we didn't have we didn't come from much you know um yeah but your me, parents taught you um not to treat that with anger or resentment yeah no no we we appreciate I think I think coming here from what I remember is like like um we didn't live in like uh I think one of the first things that we didn't live we lived sorry we lived in a boarding one of like a boarding house I want to say like a room for a couple like I want to say a couple months Mm -hmm. um and I was young I was two years old so it's not I don't remember I have a big memory of that but um what I do remember is like let's say we would go to like they would take us like let's go to the supermarket like we're because of the AC like you know you're oh yeah you're in a different let's go to the supermarket and they would and we would walk around the supermarket of course I would buy maybe something um but it's like like it's like a trip let's go <laughs> to the supermarket let's go to the library let's go to the park you know so I felt like because they would take us to these places not make us feel like they want to talk like oh my god like being angry maybe within themselves like my parents they would have conversations, but I don't think I've ever it, seen that. However, like growing um, growing up, of course, like my dad, I think at some time he he quit a job that ended us not having uh, like we had to like down quote unquote downsize a lot of things that we've had, um, and that was a hard time to go through. But we still made it work, mm-hmm. and my family's we're very like together and open in the sense of like, we'll talk about certain things. Um, they didn't keep you from any conversations. They didn't, no, as you got par- older, they included yeah. you more. Yeah, I think my parents, I, I don't know. I, I, it, it was always like, even as a child, I can be, I may not be the one saying something, but I was allowed in the room. Like I wasn't- That's so important. Yeah. That's so important. Like, I don't think my parents ever were like, oh, well- um, me and my sister, like, please go to your rooms. Me and your mom are going to talk about money. Like, they never, if if anything, I re- even like buying a couch for like, is this a good couch for everyone to buy? Yeah, <laughs> like, for us to buy. Like, we were like, yeah, that seems good. We all sat in it. Like, it was we even even nowadays. Like, we're like, if we want to get into an, some another business or just an idea, just like, what do you guys think about this? We always ask for our um everyone's opinion like what do you think about this so much that you know it's it's been like part like a conversational time that's why like our little meetings like it's very just uh, you know something that we do like okay we're starting to think about and that's a foundation in community if I ever heard one (laughs) you know your first community is your family and the closer and more open you can be with each other um generally the healthier you can be, right? But also the healthier your business can be. And when you're looking at things like building generational wealth, which I assume is very important to your parents, a lot of um, what goes into developing your own business as a small business owner, as uh, someone who works for yourself, that's a lot of self-trust. Like you have to believe and trust in yourself that you will be able um, to see it through, to get it done, to learn what you need to learn. How has your family supported you through that? Because obviously, obviously they do and have. Um, so how are they able to do that for you? Um, I think we all do that for each other, to be honest. Oh. Um, because <laughs> and, um, and, and let me just say like, 
none of us know the answer. My, what can I say? My parents, they're very risky. I mean, they risked when they were like in their 30s to come to America and they didn't have a lot of money. You know what I mean? They, so, not, you know, they risked that. So I think they showed me that it's okay to take risks. Mm-hmm. I would say that my dad um, especially has taught me to just go go towards like things that I'm passionate about and that's I think that's why also he was very like supportive in me going into the arts Mm. Uh, more than my mom who you know was more like which understandably she wanted me to be in a stable environment like in a stable life and you know and what that you know what does that mean now but um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's it's in that it's in that narrative that she was going through which I completely understand still supportive but like keeping in mind of that reality of like listen you know how's your life gonna look like in in, in a couple of years you know which is kind of um amusing at least to me because businesses are just as risky as the arts yeah. and because uh they're more of a I don't know, respected endeavor. I would say just being a business owner is a very aspirational part of, I would even say being a United States citizen, um, like with the American dream and all of that. Whereas the arts, the narrative is different where that um, until you actually do it, everybody Mm -hmm. will tell you, you can't. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think, I mean, there's a risk in any type of industry you go towards, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it definitely is different in, um, in the arts itself. And I think because of because I studied the arts, I think those no's, you know, kind of doesn't hurt <laughs> as much when you're like, okay, obviously it didn't work out, you know? And I think... I'll figure out something I, else. Yeah, I'll figure out something else. And I think I've, I've had that attitude with things that you know when when I went to high school um I actually transferred to a different high school because I just didn't like one of my high schools and mm. <laughs> and honestly it was a decision I I wanted to do and it was a risk because I I literally I it was a different borough in New York in Brooklyn I am a Queens girl yeah uh, Queens I will forever be a Queens a Queens queen yeah Queens queen <laughs> Um, so I, I, different borough, you know, I went to Brooklyn, different types of people there, um, and, and all that. So it was just, I didn't know anybody. I remember my first day of high school, I'm like sitting by myself and, um, in the lunchroom and, but people went up to me, you know? Oh. So I think there's always like a risk and just trying to say yes to things, which again is very theater based. Like you say yes to your partner. Say yes. yes and yeah. yes, yes. And, uh, say, you know, say yes to the situation because it's going to happen or it is happening. What are you going to do? And, um, and also like, if you want to have the life that you want, like you really have to kind of go towards it. Like try to see what, what is it? Like, what is it Run. That you want? Yeah. Run. And, <laughs> and like Put on your be... sneakers. <laughs> Run. <laughs> not even sneakers. Just get out of the house. Just keep going. <laughs> <Run>. <laughs> you don't need it. No, because you don't know you never know there's like cushion at the end so that's why you don't need your sneakers you know like you just run and and see what's really going to be like and if you even like it you know there's so many there's a lot of business ideas that I I've had where I'm like oh I would love to like go to this and I dream it up all in my head and then I start doing it maybe I like it one day or two days and I'm like okay I think we could do this and you know like is this then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, this seems very taxing or, or is that what you went through with real estate? Because you did finish a real estate school, school. right? You have a, you have a real estate license officially. Uh, No, actually I don't Uh, because you need to, yeah, you need to, um, you need to take the test and then pass the test. And it took me a couple of times and I have not passed it. And honestly, it's not just free to to keep taking the test. Sounds like teaching. So, so I'm, I'm just like, you know, I don't, and I also wasn't like, I have to, there's something in me that always says like, if I'm not learning something and there's a reason why I'm not passing this, this test, whatever it is, I'm obviously something's like off or not clicking for me. Hmm. Um, and I'm like, why? And, and I had to think like, is this the type of 
lifestyle that I want. So I would look at YouTube videos and, and see how other people are, who are real estate agents, like how they're living their life. And of course they live up like, Hey guys, look, I just bought my house. I'm like, look, with, you know, being a real estate agent, like this is what you guys can live this beautiful life and wear these, you know, nice clothes. And then you could do open houses and all, you know, all this stuff. And be real cute. Though, yeah. It sounds, <laughs> bullshit. It sounds and like everything, <laughs> right? It sounds great. And then you're like, well, my my parents are already going into real estate. Mm-hmm. So why not me be a real estate agent? And then I thought, should I be helping people? There's a whole like I still have that conversation. I'm like, should I uh, where if I want to do my real estate um like exam so I can be a real estate agent? Because right now I'm seeing the market for many things and I just feel like maybe I should just so I can help others in that aspect because I'm always like of service like I always want right. to help because I'm like I know I know things like I want to help and if I have right if I have the license if I have the credentials then people will trust me more right but well I mean yeah that's yes, the thing that's a catch we would we would think so right I went into um so I've been pursuing teaching for a while I never really saw myself as a traditional teacher, like teaching in a public school, English or like whatever, Mm. but I'm really good at it. I'm really, really good at it. And I have fun every day. Part of why I didn't want to do that was because when I was in high school, I dreaded going to school. Mm. Looking back, you know, it was mostly a bullying situation and a puberty situation, you know, (laughs) things are rough when you are um, a teenager. And so that made me think, oh, I never want, I would never want to set foot in a school ever again, but teaching, and I'm a substitute teacher now. I did six months of student teaching. Like I've, I have been a full-fledged teacher. I'm now teaching first grade for summer school, um, all like my official, my own classroom. And I've never dreaded a day of work, which is interesting because I thought I didn't want it. And even now, yeah. the idea of um, being a traditional teacher, being me includes teaching traditionally and having a podcast or whatever. Right. Because yeah. you can and your life. Yeah. Yeah. And you do that. <laughs> you taught me that. <laughs> We only have one life <laughs> to sound make it make it really cliche here, but but it's honest. It's how do you want to live that life, and if how do you want to see it? And I think there's a lot of like there's a lot of development, like what you're saying. Like, should I go into to be a traditional teacher? Do it and see how you feel, if or mm-hmm. not. You know, you don't have to. Uh, what's telling you that you you have to do that? You know. And if there, and if it makes you happy, and it seems like it, it does bring you more joy, not being a traditional teacher, then do that. That's okay. Yeah, do that. <laughs> that's, that's that's okay. You know, learning that there's nothing that I actually have to do yeah. ever was a major learning curve for me. And now yeah. undertaking things like, um, you know, my own podcast. And uh, I, I love getting your advice because I want to start my own LLC. Um, more news on that to come. <laughs> but uh, I, I really, I would like that. I have lots of ideas for businesses I would love to pursue. Um, and having that, I want to say that want is really important. and. I think that that education that I have is really valuable to me um, because it almost like uh, helped me fill out my heart, like my being. Mm -hmm. I feel more prepared to be me. And what what I have to offer is a lot more clear to myself in my ability, not necessarily like how I look on paper, So I don't have to be a traditional teacher if I don't want to, but my educational education was still very valuable to me. Um, I don't know if any of that matters. I mean, it does. It does matter. No, it does matter. It does matter. It it still goes. And what has me thinking is like, um, you know, me having these businesses. I mean, just recently I had quit my job that I had 
which is I was a front desk agent. I was mm-hmm. honestly doing it for money, just play money. I wasn't feeling anything. I quit that. And honestly, I've, I felt, I have felt so much happier. I don't feel as drained because when you're working at a job that you feel like, um, you know, even though you're doing it for money and of course like having some more money is always nice <laughs> or having, but I also felt like I was emotionally drained. The people, um, it's not what I, not, we're in like, uh, I don't want to say level because it sounds so mean, but they're just living their own, a different life and uh-huh. they're seeing their life in a different way. And even though they are, they want success and want all these things, I, I was in a, I'm in a different space and I felt uncomfortable sometimes sharing certain things because they don't understand or I have to, you know, explain and it's a small town so right it's it's kind of like how do I say could it be know? because their definition of what success is is different than yours probably yeah most, it could definitely be that I just I I think that like for them obviously they're working in another company mm-hmm. but even if they do have like oh like everyone has these ideas everyone wants to be a millionaire right, right. everyone has like you know oh we could do this but and I think that after me quitting that job, it's again, like me feeling like, am I, am I missing that? Am I missing that going like to that traditional nine to five? Am I missing me, us? Like what you're saying, going to a traditional, becoming a traditional teacher. What like, do you mean by missing? Missing like in a sense of um, like stability, like ah. it's, just, it's stable. It's a stable, it's a stable narrative. You know? Hypothetically. Hypothetically, I mean, look where we are. Everybody lost their job <laughs> in COVID. Right. It's nothing but a story. Yeah. None of it. None of it is. So write your own. Yeah, exactly. You and know? I think that's that's what people. What I'm saying is, like, I, I think that's what people are sometimes that fear because it's scary. Like to create your own story, like start writing play. Like it's very scary <laughs> to like put your your words out there and like your own been on things oh heck and- yeah I know that with my podcast <laughs> oh man <laughs> just talking like putting my voice out there is so so scary um yeah. in college I was in a class where uh we were doing uh multi-level media um stuff and so I was put on the podcast team mm. before we knew what our topic was then when we got our topic, we were expected to talk about things that I did not feel I had enough education on to be speaking about. Um, it was very early in like my anti-racist journey and um, very early even in my feminist journey and uh, all those kinds of things. And I knew that there was so much that I needed to learn first before talking about it talking about it right and so now I've learned uh not just how to talk about it like I like I have the education now so I want to but also how I want to do it um in in a princessy way (laughs) I want to wear pink I want to be feminine and I also want to say you know shiz is fricked up you know (laughs) and we can still talk about important issues and still empowering women to be their own business owners and take risks and uh look beyond themselves and into the community and how can you contribute um but we don't have to be solemn serious all the time we have so much so much weighing on us already yeah but there's also so much that we still need to learn. So if we can learn it in a funner way, let's do it. Yeah. Let's have a party. Right. You know, we'll, we'll, mm. we can, I don't know. We'll buy some no. sodas and a cooler yeah. and we can hang out and learn about it. Yeah, no, I I, I think that that's, that's so much. It goes for like, like the way theater is taught, businesses mm-hmm. are taught. I, I, I think that there's so much... And I, and I understand it. There is a big seriousness in, in, in the nitty gritty. Yes. We don't want to, you know, not just fail, but like not be successful in our own way. Right. And our, what we define it as, but 
that narrative just ends up limiting your 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 potential that there's so many different possibilities and I think that we just need just trying new things doing other things to get us be to look beyond what what we can what we are able to do I think it makes a big difference in and you don't have to be ready ready's not real yeah absolutely absolutely not and I and that's the beauty of it you could that's why you just need to start whatever it is just to start it and to feel like you are happy you know happy and and I don't know if that's for everyone I think some people are you know feel like at peace maybe like whatever Mm -hmm. it is to them finding that thing like that for them like I'm okay like it's all right instead of feeling like I have to chase keep chasing the right. dream I was talking to that by my cousin the, um yesterday too where it's like we're chasing this person that we're, we think that we want to be and granted I've left New York so I feel like right New that was York a big lifestyle, transition for you yeah no it was huge my no one no one believed it because I'm like I'm a New York girl I need right. a metro card <laughs> <laughs> I don't need no car now I'm like I would like a car that would be nice well you know <laughs> but um yeah it was like apartment like I now I'm planting things you know watering plants look at you <laughs> look at you go it's such a different um way of being and that has lifted a lot of my inspiration because oh. I'm not in this like world where like in this apartment which I was I was in a studio apartment last time like the last last me living there that's not how you say it but <laughs> the last place I, you lived was the a last, apartment. yeah a studio apartment so it was small um still like there was space but it was still small mm-hmm. and white walls because I didn't want to paint them and like you know this is very like non my colorful world like do you not see yes <laughs> I love it <laughs> I I love color and so it just very much you know I don't know it just lifted a lot of of, of my inspiration or has created a lot of inspiration and like living in New York made me feel like and I didn't realize it you know because I'm a New York girl I'm from New York right. you know that's like, all that's that was that's your experience yeah, that was my experience. And like, I, I, I thought I would never leave. Who wants to leave New York? There's so many things there. Uh, there you and know? I think people, there might be like, you know, we're talking about narratives today. So mm-hmm. the New York narrative is that there's so much there mm-hmm. that when you are there too, ev- you can draw on everything, but that is incredibly energetically draining. And so yeah. people- not people. I mean, with that narrative, it's like if you move away from New York, you're letting go, losing, um, like uh, editing down things, mm-hmm. and that you have less accessible to you. But what you're saying is with that distance, you have been able to find more inspiration yeah uh inside of you because you're not constantly in survival mode what do you think would you agree with that yeah I know I completely agree I mean when you're in that like in that space like everyone living in that like studio complex like we're all just obviously we're all struggling Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what I mean so you know we're trying to figure out our own lives and you know everyone you know it depends on how you want to um live it and and a lot of it is mindset like to me and like I was going through in New York I was going through a lot of not a lot of health issues but health was a concern for me in in New York a lot of it was due to stress and and I don't know I just I decided because I felt like there was no other there was no other thing for me in New York that I wanted to try I did everything that I wanted to do and I'm like you know, everyone, and something that I didn't do in college is move away. Mm. And I always stayed, I was a Queens girl. I went to Queens college. Like, you know, maybe it's time for me to like see beyond that. And people have done it. Like people like you, you went to New York, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now I'm in Los Angeles even. Yeah. So like there, but still that trans, that, that 
ability to like move to another place, not knowing anybody, uh, feeling like you don't know like the area. Like, I don't know. It's just. You're really calling on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You really have to like see and, and, and look and find and observe and and it's all (laughs) exciting. And that's kind of what I did when I came here, even though I came here, like the worst time because then the pandemic started (laughs) everything was like closed. (laughs) But when you start a new endeavor like that, like moving, like a business, even starting at a new school or anything like that, you have to call on yourself. Say, hey, Cassidy, I expect you to be there. Okay, girl, you got to come out of the woodwork. You got to you gotta come out yeah. and you better meet me in Los Angeles or you better meet me in New York because I'm going to need you, Cassidy. Or yeah. you would say that about yourself. Right. Um, right. Showing up for yourself and, and having that belief that she will come. When we talk yeah. about the woman who we think we should be and the woman that we want to be I think that can be different and maybe the woman that we need yeah be the woman you need uh the woman that you needed when you were young even one of my uh inner child practices is you know I don't have any kids or anything like that so what I do is I have pictures of myself as a young child like all over my house to Mm. remind me that like like it's her I I kind of try to love my younger to to love my inner child like I would my own child you know and just having that reminder around the house uh you know I'm not just me I'm also her and I'm 13 year old me and I'm future me all at once. Yeah, no. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that. I think I'm going to do that actually. Oh, I would <laughs> highly recommend it. Yeah. I highly those, recommend it. Like those things that you, you have an understanding of who you are now as a person. Right. I think that's very beautiful to like look back and, and be like, Hey, that's, I do have a kid and that's me. I'm yeah. to take care of my my kid <laughs> me and it can so help with the uh the like guilt you know sometimes um you could feel guilty for taking care of yourself or putting yourself first mm. um and a lot of times especially when I'm really upset I'll imagine things like holding like holding my a three-year-old that three-year-old is myself and comforting her when I need comfort because it helps yeah. me to act upon my needs. Whereas I might say to myself before, oh, well, like you're just being, you're just being unreasonable or you don't have time for that or something, something like that. But it helps me to be a little bit more compassionate. Um, and when we think of our future goals and our future wants, needs, um, expectations, it's important to to always be able to look back and check in with that little girl, with that three-year-old who knew every single line in Cinderella and <laughs> all of yeah. that, you know? Yeah. So when yeah. you do think about your inner child, where, where do you want to go next? What are you hoping that your future holds for you? Uh, what are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to a lot of joy and I think a lot about my my nephew when I think about the future um since he's here um he's now one and a half I'm a a proud Thea Ah! (laughs) um so I'm very happy that he's in our lives and just seeing him you know for me grow up so fast like he was just the little one like he, mm-hmm. you know no facial expressions really you know like <laughs> now he's like he looks smiling and all this stuff and it's just like for me my goal is to be able to be there for him for things that he needs at the end of the day family needs to be at the center otherwise what else are we what else are we doing yeah. besides surviving yeah yeah i i I think that's something that, again, goes back to like those little family meetings that we used to have of us like, you know, is this a good idea of us doing this? Because 
or whatever it, it was because it was always about family and um and what else are we doing anything for as yeah. and not you know and, and my family doesn't have to be you know blood you know related it could be whatever family you find right I think that also relates to like the, the business woman narrative, right? Back to narratives. Yeah. Um, when we see a businesswoman in movies, like what do we think? Oh, she has no kids. She has no husband. She has no family. She has no social life. She is her job. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, she's yeah. rich, maybe. She's successful, yeah. definitely. But she doesn't have the time or even I would say the will to enjoy enjoy it but like you said you can and this right yeah you can you can business because of family you can business and family and I think you're such a wonderful uh example of a business queen who does that um and a business family it's so beautiful and I think incredibly aspirational thank you um you know I think it's gotten it's gone it's been a long time or like in the making of it it has it's never been perfect um because there's in family there's always or in any type of relationship there's going to be arguments and disagreements Mm -hmm. and not understandings and it takes a lot of time to even work with with family because everyone's still we we, just because we you know we're all kind of related um we still have a lot of different opinions and I have a lot of different opinions than my father and then and then and of my mother mm-hmm. and so there is a lot of like back and forth and clashing but at the same time like for at least for me it's it's for my family and that's also a lot of it why I was I decided to take a step back from from being trying to be in this like theater world of of like because of that, because my parents at the end of the day, they, I mean, they're, they're important to me more than the show, to be honest, mm-hmm. even if the show is like supposed to be impactful for some reason or whatever, at the end of the day, these are my people and I need to be there for them. Well, Daji, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I love talking to you. I miss you so much, my friend. Uh-huh. If you ever come to Los Angeles, you got a place to stay. I got a really nice uh, futon. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I might take you up on that, honestly. I'm looking oh, for Oh, do. Um, I have one more question for you. Uh, but before we do that, where can listeners find you? If they're out on the road, um, where can they find you on social media, your businesses, all of that? Um, well, my uh, handle is Dose of Dodgy. Um, as, I mean, you can find uh, like my business links at, in that website or like, the Instagram, TikTok. How do you spell it? Oh, uh, uh, D, Dose of Daji. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, D-O-S-E-O-F-D-A-Y-I, like ice cream. Awesome. Sick. <laughs> Awesome. So you can find um, your business links through uh, your TikTok and Instagram handles. Yeah. Yeah. You can find um, them there. Lovely. If you are in the New Jersey area and you want some balloons or cupcakes, want to go thrifting, (laughs) hit her up. She is wonderful. Uh, Thank you so, so much. Uh, As a final question, uh, we always ask this question at the end of the interviews. What is one tip that you would give us for living our royal life? enjoy your life do things that you've never tried before I think if you're worried or or cautious that's okay take your time because you need to enjoy the process not everything's going to be perfect and but if you feel like you're happy doing it say yes and to that feeling (laughs) okay and let that be the creation of your own little kingdom. Oh, so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure. Uh, people will follow you. People will find you. <laughs> and don't be a stranger. Yeah, come to Los Angeles anytime. Oh, thank you. Definitely, definitely. I will. I will.
every time I hang out with her, I learn things, not just about the world, money, life, goals, career, but also about myself. She really makes me think, uh, helps me think, and I just can't wait to see where she goes from here. Three businesses down. Who knows? Who knows how many more she will have? I know that she is already such a successful woman, and I cannot wait to watch her kingdom grow. If you would like to follow her, her information is linked in the podcast description. Leave us a comment or a review on Apple Podcasts, and we can continue the conversation over at Instagram and TikTok at Princess Project Podcast. Thank you so very much for joining me again this week. Next week, we'll be back at you with a solo episode. So I will see you bright and early Monday morning. And until then, go out there and live your royal life. Toodaloo! Thank you.